0: are locked on wildcats your daily podcast on the arizona wildcats part of the locked on podcast network your team every day happy monday tucson you're listening to locked on wildcats as always i'm your host mike luke got a very very special guest in today somebody that i talk with more than my mother Somebody I talked with more than my father about sports, basically everything that is going on in society, and more so than anything, a guy that I just really look up to, one Mr. John Schuster. Hello, John Schuster, and you are making your Locked On Wildcats debut. Uh,
1: A long-time listener, first-time guest, Mike Luke. Now we have to get some things taken care of. First off, please talk to your mom and your dad more than you talk to me. Will you just get that handled, and then beyond that, everything should be just fine. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right, so...
1: You don't look up to me because I'm shorter than you.
0: That is true. So you've
1: lied about everything in the opening segment.
0: And there's not many people that I can say that look up to (laughs) me, (laughs) me. literally. And John, you were certainly one of those. For the people out there that uh, certainly remember your name from um, uh, uh, 1290, editor from the time in the Cat Tracks, just kind of give people a little bit of a rehashing of who John Schuster is and, you know, what John Schuster... came up doing?
1: I've dabbled in sports for a fairly long time, Uh, broadcasting in a couple cities here and there, mostly in Arizona, communities in Arizona. Moved to Tucson in the early 90s, got a couple jobs. One at a sports station, uh, which was one of the original sports talk stations locally in Tucson, and worked at a magazine that covered University of Arizona sports, Cat Tracks Magazine. Uh, So those two things sort of melded for a while, Uh, worked my way into some political talk over at KNST which transitioned into pre- and post-game conversations when KNST had the U of A Wildcats package, and then ultimately transitioned over to 1290 uh, and did the same thing. Very similar in capacity with another one of your guests, Brad Alice and uh, Rob Lance. Mm -hmm. We're both in, we all worked in that capacity and did that show for upwards of 10 years uh, and uh, met you in that regard. So you were behind the scenes a lot in the early stages And then from there, we're able to uh, work your way into the positions that you are with the great job that you're doing now. And uh, since then, uh, just kind of a little here and there, doing a little writing, uh, doing some weird, odd projects here and there, working on some things that I hope ultimately develop. It's very much a wait and see type thing. Uh, So I like being a man of mystery. Maybe I'm a double agent, maybe I'm a triple agent, maybe I'm just not gonna tell you. But one of the good things about all of this is that I don't necessarily have to watch, this is a bad thing to say on the Locked On Wildcat Sports Podcast, I don't necessarily have to watch Arizona play Oregon State into a postgame show at 2.30 on a Thursday night. Uh, so, to shockingly, I find myself okay with that. As much as I enjoy doing a lot of that, that aspect of it, I'll leave to professionals like you.
0: So that certainly is a little bit of a benefit, maybe a silver lining that John Schuster doesn't have to spend uh, a lot of 3 a.m.s listening to uh, Wildcat basketball and looking at Mike Luke across the glass. Not that people wouldn't want to be in that situation. wouldn't want to do that because as we have noted, I look up to you. For sure. So here's the latest with Arizona Hoops, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So it looks like the arizona staff is close to being finalized you've got jason terry and jack murphy as we know have been retained by new coach tommy lloyd ricardo foice from uh, ex uh, gonzaga not a coach but a guy that worked kind of behind the scenes there and has been in, in the analytics department with the Suns, is a guy that is right now getting a lot of the uh, hype as far as being the next or the third coach and John, you're a guy that has always talked up Gonzaga basketball to me. You've been a Gonzaga fan before it was even fashionable. We would have many late-night talks, and I said, I just don't get it, this and that. Well, you've turned out to be right. I've turned out to be wrong. But you've always said something to me about Gonzaga hoops, and I think this is going to kind of transition into what Tommy Lloyd's doing here at Arizona that stuck with me in that you don't see in college basketball now a lot of programs that actually run offense, that actually have a specific scheme. And what do you exactly mean by that? I know what you mean by that, but, but, nevertheless, ex- sure. but explain to the people out there what you mean.
1: It seems to me to a large degree, and uh, the previous coach, Sean Miller, I think was maybe one of a majority in this regard. We talked about how Miller regularly was kind of a micromanager. He didn't really want to loosen the reins a lot. That was one of the things that Olsen, Lute Olson, was excellent at. Loosen the reins, let players play, but understand there were certain, but have enough understanding in the practice situation where if you needed to make an adjustment on the fly, the ability to at least give that a try was there. Gonzaga, to me, is one of the few examples of a team that does that very well. That they can run a variety of different sets and be effective doing it. So usually, if something doesn't work, they can go to a B. And then if that doesn't work, they can go to a C. And then if B and C work, they can go back to A. Uh, Because now things have opened up a little bit and it, it puts more pressure on the defense. When you and I talk about those sorts of things, it isn't necessarily a who's right and who's wrong. It's just a general difference of opinion in some of the approaches. But I think one of the strengths of the Gonzaga model is that they have been able to communicate with players well enough during the course of their practice sessions to say okay this is what we're going to do we're going to build upon that now we're going to build upon that and ultimately by the time we get into game situations and later into the season you already have a pretty good idea what it is you ultimately want to do and you don't necessarily need me to coach you to get there this is something that Lute olsen talked about regularly kind of behind the scenes. I've got a... Okay. It wasn't so much, before you get to him, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much a the type... He'd always talk, often, talk about my coaching is Sunday through Thursday uh, or Sunday through Wednesday. By the time we get to the game, we're either ready or we're not. And I think Gonzaga approaches things with that sort of thing, and I suspect that Lloyd will implement many of those aspects... Uh, as the Arizona program tries to build to a point that we all hope it can get to.
0: And you always talk about with Gonzaga, about when you look at it, the spacing, the floor angles, everything is done with a a purpose. There's really no wasted movement. You're not going to look at Tommy Lloyd for five seconds for a play call, because that play call is probably going to be already instilled in its players. I've told you this story before, and I haven't shared this on Locked On, but... What I think you're going to see more of is a practice that I saw back in 1993. And keep in mind, this is when Arizona basketball was wide open to the public. And, you know, you could just literally go there on a Saturday with your family and watch Lou Olson, who would always be in the middle, up above, and you would either have uh, Jesse Evans at the time, Phil Johnson as the assistant coaches talking to their players. And this was the year that Arizona made its second Final Four. And I will never forget this. You've got Damon Stoudemire on one team, and you've got Khalid Reeves actually running the point on the other team. Now again, I didn't go to a ton of practices that year, but it was still cool watching a guy who really didn't play the point in college and Khalid Reeves going against Damon Stoudemire. Khalid Reeves dribbles the ball to half court. Jesse Evans is coaching his team at the time, ex U of A assistant coach. And he stops at about, not at half court, but at about probably about the 3-8 quarter court line, something like that. And he looks at Coach Evans for, I would say, about two seconds. And keep in mind, I'm nine at the time, and I still remember this. And Lute Olson stops practice. He shouts out, and Kelvin Ifon can do a great Lute Olson imperson, impersonation that I can't do, so I'm not going to try. And keep in mind, he's talking to a guy averaging 24 points a game this year, arguably the best single season in U.A. history. And he looks at Khalid Reeves, he comes down to the court and he looks at Khalid Reeves and he says, if you're having to look to an assistant coach or me during a game right now because of the defense that's out there that we've gone over, then I haven't done my job, Khalid. Why are you having an issue with this? And the rest is kind of history. The rest of the practice, Khalid Reeves did not look over to the assistant. He ran the play as it is. And I think you are going to see a lot more of that type of structure. Now, maybe not to the extent of telling arguably the best player in the country, hey, what the hell are you doing out here? But it's going to be far more free-flowing. And like you said, I think you're going to have a lot of the practice, drill, and repetition done before the game starts on Thursday or Saturday. And like you said, not not necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing, but I think you're going to see far more of that Khalid Reeves-type story in play here with uh, Arizona over the next five, six, seven years with Tommy
1: Lloyd. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I think is Interesting. And you you, you talk about this guy rightfully and build him up as far as Pac-12 coaches are, are, are concerned, and you're correct, is Dana Altman. And I remember the first year that Altman came to Tucson. They were woefully undermanned. But the thing that jumped off the page to me about them was that you could tell immediately what it was that Altman wanted to do with his program and what it was he wanted to do with those players. Sometimes when I see a lot of teams and a lot of coaches come in here in the early stages, I'm not really sure And maybe they aren't sure and they're still trying to figure it out. But that's what I'm hoping to see next year from Lloyd's team. Is even if Arizona's record isn't what we hope it is out of the gate and they get a big boost and whatever. I just want to get to a point where I'm watching a team that I say, okay, I get it. I know what you're trying to get to. And as the process builds, the likelihood is that maybe that sort of repetition can be successful. If you're
0: not consuming built bars at this time, John Schuster, you should be consuming built bars. I've gotten the great William Brad Allis onto built bars. He's trying to put in a little work in the gym. I'm trying to put in a little work at the gym. We're all trying to get a little bit bigger. And the great thing is we always talk about with built bars that built bar tastes good. And when John Schuster's working out, when he's playing a little bit of flag football back in 2014 with Mike Luke, he's got his sombrero hat on you know, trying to keep the Rays off. John Schuster looking and thinking to himself, man, I can't wait to get off the field right here and get a built bar. And that's, if John Schuster can do it, if I can do it, you can do it. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, joined by John Schuster. All right, here's the latest recruiting updates that uh, you've got for Arizona basketball. As everybody knows, You've got a point guard position in need. You've got one guy on the roster in Krisa, By the way, shout out to the uh, 13 people listening in Estonia. I don't actually come up with that lightly. We actually have a database where people listen from. Not their actual direct location, but what country they're coming from. So this is for you guys out there. But right now, you've got one guard on the roster. Obviously, James Kinjo bounced to Baylor. So you've got two point guards right now that Arizona really wants to get, and one of the two they would be ecstatic with. you got Ty Ty Washington, five-star point guard out of Phoenix. Right now he's looking at Arizona, Kentucky, and Kansas. So you're obviously recruiting somebody good if Kentucky and Kansas are your other Competitors. Then you've got Nolan Hickman, a 6'2 guard out of Seattle who is just decommitted from Kentucky and is looking at Kansas, Washington, and possibly Arizona. This would be a nice get, especially if Jason Terry can be able to show exactly what his recruiting chops and bona fides are at this point. So this is an absolute must get, one of these two, or to get somebody in the market. And you always hear the comment in football that if you don't have a quarterback, you really aren't that team. Now again, there's some exceptions, you know, the Baltimore Ravens of one but generally there's a reason that Tom Brady's got seven Super Bowls and in between, oh, it was Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and the same goes with basketball. You look at the U of A over the years, you had 1988 the first real great team in school history and I know somebody's going to tell me about the Fred Snowden teams it's not a slight towards Fred Snowden I'm just talking about the first really great team on a national radar you got Steve Kerr at the point fast forward to 1994 you've got Damon Stoudemire at the point point. 1997 you got Mike Bibby at the point point. 2001 you got Jason Gardner at the point then under Sean Miller or Sean Miller's best teams you had TJ McConnell at the point so it kind of goes to show, though, shoe, that unless you have a point guard in today's college basketball, you can be successful, but you're going to be in an uphill battle. So it's going to be imperative for whoever the player is, for Tommy Lloyd to be able to get a top-notch point guard to be able to run this show as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you're going to be walking uphill a good percentage.
1: And there's a reason that a lot of teams in college basketball want those guys as well. And understandably, as much as we've talked about Lloyd and the Gonzaga connection, which is obvious, and the reality is that the best example of what happened from a point guard standpoint is the national champions. They had three of them and completely dominated the game. Uh, They were, yeah, there, there were some close games here and there. But yes, I mean, Baylor was outstanding. And Baylor had a multitude of what amounted to being point guards who could do a variety of different things and caused havoc on numerous teams. So yeah, I think every coach recognizes its value. Folks in Arizona certainly fall under that category because the litany of names that you rattled off is very impressive. And when you have that, you hope that you can continue to get those guys and then you hope that you can develop them appropriately and it gives you a very good chance to be able to be, he can be, you know, like the quarterback is the blah, blah, blah coach on the court. And the coach on the court can then move some pieces around, hopefully Uh, the rest of the team can kind of understand what it is that it ultimately is trying to accomplish. And as long as that person can run the show, you're in a position where things can be a little bit more effective. On the offensive end and obviously that's something that Lloyd wants to accomplish in fairness a lot of other teams in college basketball do as well but with the way that Gonzaga runs advanced offenses if you can get an individual in that spot who's very talented who can understand what it is they're trying to accomplish then you're able to catapult yourself, more than likely, to be a pretty good offensive team that can cause problems for the opposition. And you
0: look at the best Gonzaga teams, too, and again, not meaning to turn this into a Gonzaga love fest, but at the same time, this is a uh, program that Arizona is obviously going to be emulating to a certain extent. It's weird how things go about how Gonzaga kind of emulates Arizona, and now you're trying to get right. back to what Gonzaga did. But you look at Gonzaga's best teams – they weren't necessarily as point guard heavy as Arizona, but you always had a good, solid point guard. You look at this past year when you've got a Yaye, you've got Jalen Suggs, who could obviously have run the point if he needed. A few years earlier, Nigel Williams-Goss. Heck, even back when you were running the show here, John Schuster, you had Matt Santangelo and Richie Fromm. So you're going to have to be able to get that guy, but I also think it's going to be a little bit different in that when Tommy Lloyd gets his first... True elite level point guard. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a Damon Stodemeyer situation where you're pulling up from the cactus time in and time out because the movement, the spacing, the pace doesn't necessarily invite that. Although it certainly could happen, but I think you're going to see a guy that's going to need the uh, that's going to need this team to be incredibly efficient from the point guard position. Right One
1: there. of the things that I think we maybe need to look at as well, as much as we like to check on history. Talk about the greatness of Kerr and the greatness of Stoudemire and the greatness of Bibby and the greatness of Gardner uh, up and down the line. Maybe the game has also changed a little bit. And Gonzaga is an example, and Lloyd being connected to that, of where teams maybe are starting to play offenses a little bit differently. And one of the things about this year's Gonzaga team, which made them a freak show and almost impossible to stop, consider... Take the Baylor game aside where they were just overwhelmed. They beat everybody else outside of UCLA and West Virginia by double figures. Why did they do that? Because their offense put so much pressure on everybody else. In that regard to me, obvious talent comparisons aside, Gonzaga visually at the college level reminded me a lot of Golden State. The dynasty level Golden State teams take out the three-point shooting. The point I'm making here is a willingness at five positions to be able to effectively move the ball. So if you don't have a good shot, you pass to somebody else who does, who passes to a third person who does, who passes to a fourth person who does. Olsen would often use a simple chart, and we get bogged down in analytics over everything, but Olsen had a simple chart in one of the years in the early 2000s for one of the Gardner team, 01, 03, 05, somewhere in that area, where he said something to the effect of, and this doesn't work for everybody, but he said, If we pass the ball four times on an offensive possession, our success on that offensive possession improves by like 20%. If we jack up a shot with one pass, two pass, three passes, our effectiveness offensively isn't as good. That's how that team was made up. Other teams are made up in a variety of different ways, and that's something Lloyd has to figure out. But it wasn't necessarily that last year's Gonzaga team, which was silly offensively, necessarily had a point guard per se. But they had five guys on the floor who could pass and score. And that's the thing that put all kinds of pressure on opposition defenses. And probably the thing that Lloyd's going to hope to implement here. I think we're going to see, when he can figure out what it is he wants to do, a a much more advanced level of offense than most of college basketball runs right now. And maybe... Arizona is fortunate enough to be ahead of the curve in that regard, and it can make things difficult on respective defenses.
0: I also think that you're not gonna necessarily see a player averaging 22 a game at times from the point guard position, as well as somebody like Damon Stoudemire did. And you can just go back to this past year's Gonzaga team. And I know that Jalen Suggs at the point guard position, slash shooting guard, slash he was basically a hybrid of all three. But you could tell that that guy could have scored 20-plus a game if he wanted to. I mean, he was that kind of guy. But because that the ball doesn't stick with Gonzaga, you're going to get essentially two dribbles. And if you do anything more than that, that's going to kind of go against the flow of what they want. At that point, then, I think you're going to see a roster a little bit like that, where you're going to have one guy averaging 15. The other guy averaging 14. Maybe some year you have a guy pushing the 20s, but I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a night in and night out occurrence. So I would imagine even if the point guard play is better, it's going to be a far steadier replication than of what Gonzaga's done where you basically have five guys averaging between 15 and 11 with three to four guys averaging what? five to six to seven points per game. I think it's going to be staggered a little bit along those lines kind of like what you see.
1: In college basketball one of the things that you know I think we discover and we discover this in sports to a large degree in a lot of different leagues is that you can win different ways and it looks as though Gonzaga slash Arizona under Lloyd should be effective on the offensive end when he gets the players that he ultimately wants to get in here. That's a good thing. I mean, Gonzaga over the during the few era, which has been very successful. They haven't generally speaking had a problem on the offensive end scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll uh, they they've always pretty much looked efficient. This team was just nonsense. Heck, even the um, problem
0: even against Baylor, you didn't look at Gonzaga and
1: said, "You can they can't score the ball. They just couldn't defend." And that, that gets to the second issue. It and and this is the thing that I think rightfully a lot of folks, and I think you maybe to some degree rightfully fall into this camp. You're about to can, attack me. Can he? I'm not. Can he recruit tough enough guys that can get a defensive stop when they need it? That's it. And if he can do that, then Arizona should be in very good shape. I, don't, I disagree in part ways a little bit when people say the athletes who have been recruited at Gonzaga aren't athletic enough to win titles mm-hmm. or to make deep runs because obviously in the last five <laughs> that's years that's then, not true correct mm-hmm. uh, and and i think one of the things from a foreign standpoint is the nba's global initiative has shown that the gap of talent between american players and international players has closed dramatically so you can be successful getting a third of your roster as foreign players say you you, you got a 12 man team if four of them are international and you can figure out how to make that U.N. component work, the eight are, 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 are Americans, then you're in a position where hopefully you can do what's necessary. But I think the complaint, and it's been legitimate, is can Gonzaga make a stop and now can Arizona make a stop when it gets to that point when they need to? Are they tough enough on the defensive end to get things done?
0: It's going to be interesting to see what Arizona can do here coming up. But if you did want to get in on a bet and you wanted to be able to tell people in Las Vegas that, hey, guess what, I know a little bit more than you, you don't need to go to Las Vegas like John Schuster does. You can just make your bet on betonline.ag and you can get a nice little amount of coin off that. For John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to Locked On Wildcats. We will be back with you tomorrow.